Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the podcast based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guide. This is the ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive's author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby, and your host, DJ Payne. G'day and welcome to episode 88 of Thrive Deeper. It's DJ here and on this week's episode, Matt and myself sit down and we start the book of Exodus. That's right, the second book of the Bible, the second book of the Old Testament. And we're about to meet a big major hero of the story of of the Bible. In this journey through the Bible, we're about to meet one of the major heroes of the faith. So keep on listening. Also, I've got some very important announcements to let you know about, some uh, behind the scenes stuff that's going on. So, how about I meet you halfway through this podcast this week and then again at the end to let you know everything that's going on? All right, here we go. You're strapped in, you got your Bible, you got your pen, you got your copy of Thrive. Let's get into it now. The start of the book of Exodus on Thrive Deeper. Let's go. You're back from Israel. Yeah, I'm back from Israel. Great trip. So good to go again. Discovered lots of new places. Learned lots of new things. Okay. you, you uh, We left you a challenge. Before you left, do you remember the challenge? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> of course not. It was Instagram. Oh. The Instagram uh, challenge for Israel yeah. and Matt. How did I go? For the first couple of days, you did okay. I think there was yeah. four posts in a couple of days. Okay. Oh, yeah. There's something I couldn't work on about on that, so I'll have to talk to you. <laughs> Some social media classes yeah, coming yeah, up yeah, for Matt later right. on. So uh, still, still go out there and follow Matt on on Instagram, Matthew yeah, Jacoby. I'll put some more. I'll put some more up. But you, but I saw the photos going up on Facebook. Yeah, some phenomenal shots you taken there, mate. Uh, well, it's a phenomenal place. It's so photogenic, and uh, yeah, I just just love love going there. Learn so much each time. Awesome, awesome. Well, it's great to have you back. Uh, great team. The feedback I've heard from everybody who was there. Yeah. Absolutely yeah, loving had it. a great time, yeah. I was seeing single guys posting pictures with Israeli girls with machine guns. Sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> We've got another one coming up in 2021. All right. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's a church trip, but, look, there may be room. If, if, oh, if we don't fill it up with, with uh, church crew, if you, are, uh, uh, if you are keen and you're not part of our church, then... Look, send us an email anyway, and and I'm going to let you deal with that because I've seen the waiting list up at uh, up at One Hope Baptist Church. There's a lot of people well, waiting yeah. there. But uh, you might have to. You might have to. It might be a whole new money making thing for you if you just made it to whoever was Into the highest. Business. Yeah, the yeah. highest bidder. Get in there. No, <laughs> no I'm, jo- I'm joking. Obviously, no, I'm excited. I, I can't wait. Hopefully, I am hoping and praying that uh, 2021 will see the podcast. Go to Israel. I mean, imagine doing Thrive Deeper over in Israel. That would be amazing. Yeah, that would be special. That would be very, very mm. special. Okay. Now, enough about you traveling the globe. Uh, it feels like yesterday you just got back from Europe. We are marching ahead with Thrive Deeper, and there's a few few little uh, housekeeping things I want to get, get out of the way straight away. This uh, episode, uh, you know, came out at a, a week from the last episode, but from now on, we're going back to how we started Thrive Deeper, which is a fortnightly podcast. We're yeah. coming out every two weeks, but 
like we said last at the end of last week, we've got a brand new podcast called Thrive Perspectives that is going to be on the other every off week. So there's mm. still every week you get to hear Matt and DJ, but it's going to be two different podcasts there. Mm. So that's the goal going forward. Yeah. I'm excited. So February the 14th, Valentine's Day is the day when, you know, we call it in the industry, the new podcast drops on Valentine's Day, Friday the 14th, and that is Thrive Perspectives Episode 1. Uh, looking forward to that going and, up and there. And we're possibly going to have some other guests in that, aren't we? Th- that's the goal. I, I, yeah, I think that would be good. That's the goal. There's already people who've heard about the podcast who are putting their hands up yeah. to talk about. We've had someone who wants to come on and talk about Flat Earth Theory. Which I'm totally down for. I'm totally down no, for. We're, we're not going to go that crazy. We're actually going to try to take on topics that are important and, yes. uh, you know, uh, that are of theological, pastoral, yeah. life application importance. Yeah. Um, what, what's our approach to this? Re- really, and, and we don't want to get into um, into contentious political or whatever, no. uh, you, you know, issues. Um but yeah, we we want it to be a. We, we just because we're focused very much on moving through the text, but we want to actually take on some big, options, big yes. hitting topics. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and it really and the the name perspectives I think really says a lot because we want to see how people look out at the world, the worldview that people have, and sort okay. of maybe challenge it, maybe talk about it, mm. maybe you know hone it a little bit, or yeah. you know those type of things. So that's part of what we're doing with the new podcast. So if people want to <clears throat> subscribe to that, like if I want to subscribe to that to yeah. find out what I think, because yeah. in some cases I still don't know. You can uh, go to, you can go to following, look, the easiest way, we'll put it out across all of our social media. I'll even get you to Instagram post mm. it. I'll teach you Will how you? to do that. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So Thrive Perspectives will be dropping on 14th, on Valentine's Day, 14th of February 2020. You just search for Thrive perspectives in all of your podcast uh, applications there you know apple podcast whatever podcast player that you use on your phone on your device on your computer and it'll come up we'll have links to it everywhere if you want to find it just do a search for thrive perspectives it'll it'll come up straight so if if i go to my um podcasting app and i just search up thrive perspectives that should work that should work am i giving you a lesson right now on how to use podcasts is that yeah but everyone else as well so <laughs> i'm playing the uh now we do have some plans we do have I some plans because it, it is it, i know for some people like myself who has been listening to podcasts and even podcasting you know since 2004 it's just natural you just assume that everybody knows how to do it we still get emails and questions all the time Guys, I don't really know what I'm doing in subscribing to a podcast. So we do want to put some videos mm. out shortly to show people how the easiest way to do that. Now, that's coming up on February the 14th. Uh, so uh, so next week from this episode and then after this episode, Thrive Deeper goes fortnightly. Boom, we've got that underway. Our new commitment with Thrive Deeper with these fortnightly podcasts is that we want to cover your questions about the reading around Thrive Deeper Every week, whenever those questions come mm. in, we want to cover them, even if it's yep. slightly off track of the main topic of that. So, in light of that, we've got one question for this week. Oh, have we? We've got one. Okay. We've yeah. got one question, and it's about it's from Andy, who's absolutely loving the podcast. He says, "Thank you for the insight and inspiration." Uh, he's, uh, you know, he said that everybody should be compulsory listening to this every week. <laughs> well, it'll be every fortnight soon. Uh, soon there, Andy. But he said, "I've got a question. Minor question." I'm always a little surprised that Potiphar 
sent Joseph in the in the book of Genesis mm. to prison because I would have thought that he would have had the power to kill Joseph outright. Is this an example of the Lord's protection of Joseph through Potiphar really liking Joseph too much to see him dead? What do you think is going on there behind the scenes? Yeah, it's an interesting point because one would uh, expect that of a slave. If a slave um, uh, was convicted of raping the mistress of the house, you would expect that absolutely it would be execution. Now, um, this uh, may be uh, indicative of Potiphar's the favour. Yes. That, uh, I think that's probably the more likely scenario is mm. that the fact that he only went to prison was the result of the fact that he won just so much favour with Potiphar Yeah. Uh, because Potiphar entrusted him with so much. It may also be an indication of Potiphar's slight incredulity towards his wife's accusation. I, I, yeah. uh, he's probably knows her a little too well. Mm. Um, so, But he has to do something. And we do see, I mean, the one thing we are told about Potiphar in that situation, the passage tells us that he was furious, mm. you know, about the situation. So you, you sort of, you do, you do as a fan of Joseph, of someone who's rooting for Joseph, you sort of go, man, you, you're giving him every authority over everything in the household. Yeah. Of course you know this guy. He's a good guy. Why would you be assuming this? Yeah. So it, it's it's one of those things in the text, it's not explained, mm. but um, but it it. There is restraint there, and we can only really put that down to God's providence. Exactly. Exactly. I love it. Okay, Andy, thank you so much for your questions. Uh, thank you to everybody else who's sending in questions. A few questions there we're going to be covering uh, probably next fortnight as we get into it. Now, time for us to get into our brand new edition of Thrive. We've got a brand new physical copy out there, uh, the Thrive Daily Reading for February, March, and April 2020. It's a beautiful shade of blue. And we're covering Exodus. We're going into mm. the book of Exodus. So introduction to Exodus, Matt, what do we need to know? Well, it's clearly it's clearly written in a way that ties back into Genesis. So mm. there's uh, a clear continuity. You, you almost get the sense that we're not, it could even be an extension of the same book. Yes. And um, uh, so, so that's the first thing. So it's very consciously um, continuing the story. Um, it belongs to the Pentateuch, and by that I mean the first five books of our Bibles, mm-hmm. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers, Deuteronomy, mm-hmm. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's <laughs> called the Pentateuch, Yes. Uh, otherwise known as the Torah. It was referred to as the Torah as well. Torah, uh, we translate as law. Yep, the, the uh, law. The law. Now, it doesn't mean that it just contains laws because it's more than just Law in the sense of directives uh, means law in the sense of covenant. It's the covenant. It's the book of the covenant. Yes. And uh, so that also, uh, the book of the law, to that extent, also uh, records all the stories because the stories are covenant precedents. Mm-hmm. The stories are important because they record uh, events that have prophetic significance. Yes. That form covenant precedents. Yes. This is really important for the way that we read these stories. And I've mm. been pointing out when we've looked at the story of, you know, we look at a story of Abraham who takes his son Isaac to sacrifice him on a mountain, and uh, or God commands that, and then it, and then you think all the way, why is God doing this, and what kind of outcome uh, is this for Isaac and for Abraham? But we're thinking purely in narrative terms. There, we need to think. Uh, 
of Abraham as this prophetic figure mm. and the incident as having that kind of covenant precedent prophetic significance. Yeah. yeah. So it um, it anticipates something that is going to happen. Yeah. So Abraham in that sense stands for God who is going to provide a lamb. You know, so, so we read these stories uh, in that way. So the same is going to be true of Exodus. It's going to explain, continue to explain some things that we read in Exodus now, as well. Now, I've, I've been saying, you know, you, you you are great at using, you know, you're the, you're the paid professional theologian philosopher here. I'm, mm. the, I'm the dumb layman, you know, uh, you know, nerd yeah, that's, the, but the, that's so, so not true. But anyway, yeah, you, you so, play that role. But the, I play that role on TV. The, uh, the, um, but I, I, you, you, all the way that you just described that, my simple dumb way of describing that is say there's patterns being set up in Genesis and Exodus. Is that is that a simple is that too simple? Yeah. Like there's themes and threads yeah. and patterns that are starting now at the beginning of the book that we will see built on as we go through the entire scripture. Yes. Yes, that is true, but the, and this is But you're talking about something I, I, different. I, it's well it's not it's not different, it's a little deeper than that. There's Great. another level of depth. Uh, underneath that, so something happens that becomes prophetic for something else. Like, let me give you an example. Great, you know, it, Daniel talks about the abomination that causes desolation. In fact, yes. I'm not sure if this is a going <laughs> to. This is probably going to create more complexity. Wait, wait a minute, you, but, you're you know, going way too deep. My point is, is that you know that happened yes. in um, uh, 160. Uh, uh, one, yeah, 167 BC. Or I think that's the date when yep. the temple was desecrated, right? Yes. But that event. You know, as Daniel describes it, really is kind of preempts or prefigures yes. another event of that type. Yes, and, and so you have these pre. And, and I mean, Jesus talked about the abomination, abomination that causes desolation, yep. and Jewish readers would have thought, "Hang on, but didn't that already happen?" No, that pre that was a an event that preempted a, the destruction of Jerusalem. Yeah, you know, and even the destruction of Jerusalem yep. then possibly preempts and even. Greater, yeah. greater event in the future. Okay, so, so, so there's almost like there's patterns, but the patterns aren't just patterns for patterns' sake. It's not like a rhyme, you know, a rhyme <laughs> for the sense of the fact that it rhymes with each other. It's pointing us to something. They're prefigurative. I shouldn't, okay. I shouldn't use the word preemptive. Prefigurative yeah. okay. is, is is the is the word. So, um, you know, Abraham. Abraham taking Isaac yes. to sacrifice uh, him. It prefigures. Well. It prefigures the, this uh, temple sacrifices, yes. which in turn prefigure Christ. the uh, Christ yeah, sacrifice. Right. Okay. So um, you have these events, uh, you know, we, we discussed um, well, all these stories in some way. Uh, so uh, um, uh, Abraham uh, prays for Abimelech and he's healed, for example, or, yes. or you know, it preempts the fact, this priestly role yes. that... Uh, that Israel is going to have, okay, so, and so forth. Uh, I'll ask another another question. Since we've sort of gone down this little rabbit trail of of these type of moments, how do we know when something is going to be deeper, or how do we know when it's just a okay a coincidence? Yeah, good, good question. For, for example, Joseph, <clears throat> when he is sold, he is sold for a certain amount of money. Yeah, and then we see, you know, we see the, yeah, yeah. when you, when that amount of money comes up again in the Bible. Are we supposed to go, oh, that's tying back to Joseph or is Joseph a prefiguration? You know, like that type yeah. of, okay, for an example. Yeah, well, Joseph, uh, we see, we know that the Joseph story prefigures the story of Israel. Yes. 
because uh, we know the story of Israel. Yeah. <laughs> that, that really is how we know that it does. You know, we're not left yeah, no, guessing. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's very clear. I mean, um, you know, he, he goes, he becomes a slave in Egypt. Yes. So, yeah. and, and there God blesses him. Yeah. Okay. And to the point where he becomes great. And see, this is the covenant uh, promise. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I will make your name great and I will bless you. Yeah. Uh, I will give... Uh, sorry, I will make you into a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Yep. Right. So <clears throat> you see that, and the, and all the ends of the earth. I will bless those who bless you, and curse those who curse you. All the ends of the earth will be blessed through you. Right. Joseph's story. That's exactly what happens. All of that. Yep. All of the above. Yep. But Joseph. But that's not the ultimate fulfillment, is it? No. it but it's a pre, it's a prefigure it's a prefiguration of the ultimate okay. fulfillment. So you know, ultimately, you know, that's us. That's that's what. You know, we can look at this Joseph story and say that that's us. We are meant to. This is this is for the church. This promise is for the church now. It's for us as a community. Okay, so how do we stop ourselves reading too much into it? Like I said, how do we know what is just a coincidence, and how do, how much do we know is is you know this is yeah. this is a pattern that God is setting for us, or this is a prefiguration? Yeah, that's right. yeah. yeah, like there's some things. Because uh, Joseph is sold for what? Remind me. I think it's the 30, thirty pieces, pieces of, of silver. Uh, yeah, it's, it's the thirty pieces. Yeah, <clears throat> um, yeah. Uh, that that you know that, that that amount clearly seems to prefigure. I mean, Jesus is sold of 30, uh, sold for thirty pieces of silver. Um, that also becomes the I think the price for the redemption of a slave. I think something like that. Uh, yeah, something in the like law. That. Yeah. Um, we discussed that at some point, and I've, I haven't got those notes in front of me, mm. and I have a terrible memory. <laughs> but um, so you know that that is where you have a figure like that. I think you can take that as okay. We're meant to notice something. The fact that that's mentioned, yeah. Okay. See, so- see they were quite. They were, you know, the, the biblical writers are quite. Um, what's the word? Deliberate or yeah, very deliberate. They're quite laconic. They're quite. Uh, that um, they only write what they only say what that needs to be said. Yes, they're yep. not wasting words. I mean, okay. they're writing with really primitive materials yep. here, yep. right? So you're not just going to waffle. Waffle. There's yep. no waffle at all. Everything okay. that's said is important. Okay. So we always need to ask the question: Why are we told this story? Mm. I mean, you get some strange stories. For goodness' sake, mm. some strange stories, and. Often I've suggested that the stranger the story is, it probably the more likelihood there is that it has this prophetic prefigurative yes. significance. Yes. Um, so we're going to see at the end of in this session, we're going to look at a story in Exodus 4 where God, where Moses is on his way back to Egypt and God comes with an intent to kill him. Mm. And then his wife, you know yeah. the story? Yes. Uh, Zipporah quickly circumcises one of the boys and touches Moses' feet with him. You think... It's what? the world's <laughs> strangest story. Yeah. Um, but uh, so that's where our antenna needs to go up for, okay, there's a kind of prophetic prefiguration going on here. This is saying something important theologically and yeah. that we'll talk about that one. I, 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 I guess I'm just wary. The reason why I've, I, I'm, I'm sort of getting you to enunciate this a little bit, a little clearer is because I'm a bit wary that these days – a lot of people want to want to, and, and I, I don't want to offend anybody here. Want to move in the prophetic, you know, and I'm putting that in inverted commas, in some sort of act or anything in front of yeah. the church or in their own personal life, and they take these examples of numbers or things or whatever in in the Bible mm. and try to 
overlay that in their life today and try to use it as some sort of prophetic prophetic sign that God is doing something in their life today. I, I just, I, I guess, I'm just wary of our perspective is as we read it, read into it. Is it is is it something that we have to be sort of drawing out into our, our own life today? As in, I'm experiencing this, you know, or this number pops up. You know, oh, you're never going to believe it. I got a taxi cab, and the and and you know how much yeah. you charge me? Yeah, of Thirty course, pieces yeah, of yeah. silver. Oh, God's, you know, like, okay, yeah. but where is you know how is that for the yeah. you know? Okay, we, we the, the okay the chain of prefiguration and fulfillment. Mm. Uh, we we can only really say what we have in scripture. You know what I mean? So from Genesis to Revelation, I mean Revelation actually gives the the, the kind of uh, icing on the cake yeah. for a lot of the f- uh, figures that are yes. used throughout Scripture, right? Yeah. So we have we actually uh, aren't left guessing. Mm. This is the point. Yes, we're not left guessing because we can look at the Scriptures and see. Uh, you know, so so I think that's the answer to your thank you to your question. Now the other issue here is that this does not justify what's known as allegorization. Now allegorization is, and I'm you know sorry about the long terms, but uh, I'll explain what I mean. When I allegorize a text, it means that I give the text a meaning that it w- was never there in the text in the first place, yeah. uh, but that makes the text do something that it wasn't designed to do. Yeah. So, for example, uh, David picks up five stones in the stream in the valley of Elah. Mm. Uh, those stones, an allegorical interpretation, are uh, those stones stand for the fivefold ministry of Ephesians chapter oh. 4. Like that, I shouldn't be laughing. I'm well, so well, sorry. I mean, but that's I've, I've seriously heard, I've heard, heard that. It, I've heard it as yeah. well. Um, you know, they crossed. Uh, you know, they crossed the 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 the, um, the Red Sea, and then they crossed the Jordan. Uh, the crossing of the Red Sea stands for conversion. The crossing of the Jordan stands for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You, you know, it's this. It's like <clears throat> uh, allegorization uh, uh, of the text in a way that is not even. Ever yeah. there? I'll, I'll give either you. Is, even. I'll, I'll give you a classic one from my upbringing, um, and it was even taught to me in in the Bible <clears> college that I went to. Uh, the seven churches in the Book of Revelation yeah. are the seven church ages <laughs> yeah. of now. And and I remember we're all going, man, alive. This is really deep, man. This is really deep. This is amazing. And then all of a sudden, it just popped in my head, and I put my hand up and I said, "Where does the Bible say that this is what it's about?" Like, yeah. we're, we're, like exactly your point. Yeah. Scri- let scripture interpret scripture. Yeah. And my point was, where does the text tell us we should be interpreting it like this? Yeah. And the lecturer is like out of the class. <laughs> you know, like a, a- I got in trouble straight away for that. And I was like, oh, I'm onto something here. And I realized, man, this is just us in in yeah. one way allegorizing yeah. it. Because it's not, it's not, the, the, it's, yeah. those things aren't in the scripture. And people do that with numbers a lot yes. as well and, and all sorts of things. So, um yeah, we just need to be really careful. Every text has a meaning. Mm. Every text has a meaning. Yeah. And the meaning is there in the text. And the best way to interpret Scripture is with Scripture. Amen. And um, if, if, you know, if you can't interpret Scripture with Scripture, then um, we just need to consign these other interpretations to really conjecture. Okay. At best. All right. Let's put all that away in the in before we go to a break, Matt. I'd love you to give us. You know, we've 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 sort of set up Exodus, Exodus a little bit. 
Um, but there's one person in, in particular now that will just loom large. We're going. To, we're about to be introduced yeah. to a to a major biblical character, someone who is really unique in the whole of Scripture. And this, of course, is the person of Moses. Mm. Um, give us your. You know, what what do you want us to know as as we're about to get introduced to Moses? Well, Moses from this point becomes the most important figure until yeah. Christ. Wow. In the Bible. Wow. Um, in fact, the writer of Hebrews has to labor at the point that Jesus is greater than Moses, doesn't Fantastic. he? Yes, yes. Yeah. I mean he and he really labors at that point because yeah. so great did they see Moses, like the uh the really the um the the founder of even though Abraham is the forefather, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are the patriarchs yes. of the nation of Israel, yet Moses is sort of that great prophet that gives the covenant people their constitution, as it were. I mean, he's the one that even records the stories of, yes. of uh, uh, arguably. I mean, I, there's plenty of room there for editorial work, and, and there's certainly uh, people are adding to this later on, uh, editors, yeah. uh, I, I believe under the providence and inspiration of, of, of God. Um, uh, but Moses is incredibly important. The, the, the attribution of the Pentateuch, these five books of which Exodus is the second, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Numbers Deuteronomy, uh, they are referred to otherwise as the books of Moses. Mm. Uh, so, referred to in Scripture. Yeah, uh, yeah. so um, so I'm... I, I take that seriously, and you know, I take the approach. My methodology is not well. That's uh, you know, that's wrong until it's proven right. Mm. It's right until it can be absolutely proven wrong, and uh, you, you know, and it hasn't been proven otherwise. Even though there are people that say, "Ah, oh, mosaic or the shot water, just ridiculous." Yeah. Uh, but that's based on a on a critical methodology. That it's like, of course, you can doubt that. Yes. Uh, but just because you can uh, doesn't mean that we shouldn't trust what originally we've we've received. Yeah. Because I don't believe there's any reason to doubt that this has a mosaic core to it. I mean, the impact mm. of these, of what we're going to read here, is so great through the generations. Uh, I talk about you know mosaic core because of the importance, ongoing importance of the person of Moses mm. to the life of Israel. Now, you, and that you, comes down actually to him as being the one that writes this down, that delivers this stuff. Yeah. Now, you just got back from Israel, modern day Israel yeah, yeah. today in 2020. Moses mm. still important? 100%. 100%. You know, yeah. and I mean, it's it's a great experience going to the places where Moses led the Israelites and and uh, and actually, you know, walking on, over that terrain and you know um uh, absolutely so he he this is where we need to take note i mean when it comes to the exodus everything from this point on uh well i mean you could say this about genesis too i mean i keep saying this about genesis everything afterwards builds on this yeah okay but of course the exodus is the most celebrated event mm. in scripture yes before the crucifixion and resurrection of christ yeah uh, and and, and- Talk about prefiguration. There's a lot of there's a lot yeah. of prefiguration with Christ. That's right, and that's and right. The deliver, the and the idea of deliverance. Ex- exactly the yeah. way that the way that Christ framed his ministry mm. is very much as a new Exodus, mm. and he is the new Moses. I mean, the whole Sermon on the Mount uh, is very much Jesus on the Mount uh, giving the law, the 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 new covenant um, uh, sort of charter. Yes. 
and very much framing himself. Matthew really wants his writers to see Jesus as the new Moses. That's yeah. very explicit. Very uh, well, right. at least it's strongly implicit throughout Matthew's gospel, and most interpreters recognize that. So, um, yeah, so this is, this is important stuff, mm. important to understand this story. Uh, if you've never, if you're a Christian and you've never read Exodus, get with the game. Because <laughs> seriously, <laughs> this is too important. Okay. Uh, but for, th- for those, who, okay, for, for a young Christian, let's, let's give people the benefit yeah. of the doubt. You're a new Christian, you're a young Christian, and you're coming into Exodus for the first time. Yeah. You're, gonna enter, you're entering into a foreign yeah, land. You're right. entering into a time, you're going through a time machine into a different place where things are going to be really strange to us yeah. as modern readers. Yeah, I'm, I'm always conscious of this, even as I read through Genesis, you know, I'm thinking, oh man, at the of the new Christians that I know thinking, man, this is, this stuff is a real, it is a, it's complex. Yeah. It is complex. But there are, but there are points of just beautiful lucidity. I mean, the story of Joseph is a, is a, such a beautiful story. Mm. Uh, but then you've got all the complex stories of Jacob and, and, and uh, I mean, this is where, this is where community comes in, DJ. I mean, when you become a Christian, you don't step into an isolated walk with God. Oh. You step into community. Yeah. We read the Bible together. This is what this is all about. Mm. This is why we do this, because mm. we, we read the Bible together. Mm. This is why for our church, we, we encourage people to track with this. Let's all read the Bible together so we can help one another to, uh, to understand and get mm. the most out of this. So, um, I, you know, I would suggest, you know, if you're a new Christian, uh, read, leave what you can't understand, uh, get the main, the big ideas. You've got your whole life to read over and this again and again and again. I am still reading these things, I've read these things again. And oh. I mean, honestly, we, we've just finished Genesis, right? I, it, I feel like I've just read that for the first time, right? And I've read Genesis more times than I can count, yeah. and yet I still am finding out more and more. It's the beauty of Scripture, mm. okay? So, um, yeah, so don't, don't even try to understand it exhaustively on your first read. Mm. Just stick with what you can understand. Put Shelf what seems vexing or unfair or stupid or uh, whatever. Just... Mm. Because um, it's actually not any of those things, but uh, there's a natural difficulty in reading an ancient text like this. I'll, I'll jump in with one thing on that. I tell people who are reading it for the first time, if they're having strong emotions, yeah. if they are finding something yeah. particularly vexing, yeah. or they start to cry, or they're angry, oftentimes... That's what you're supposed to be feeling. Actually, that's true. That's, that's yeah, a good like, point. Like, yeah, don't, yeah. Like, like, don't stop reading because you feel like that. Yeah. Continue. Make a note of it and why you're feeling that way. And oftentimes it will get resolved. And when it doesn't, that's when you talk to the community around you yeah, and say, yeah. I can't get over this. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I can't get over this. All right, that is a great introduction to Moses. Let's get into the book of Exodus. We'll have a break right now on Thrive Deeper. And then after this... Here we go, into the second book of the Bible.
Hey there, family. It's DJ here, and I want to thank you for meeting me halfway through this week's podcast. Uh, This is our little safe space in the middle of the podcast. We can just spend some time together, and I can let you know what's going on behind the scenes. Now, I've got a few things I want to let you know about, so bear with me as I get through them right now. The first thing is, big apologies to anybody who loves to listen to the episode the second it gets released on a Friday as this week's episode has gone out a couple of days late. I am so sorry. It's my fault. I've had the flu. You might notice from my voice, it's a little bit raspy. But uh, I've come back into the land of the living and the episode is coming out as quick as we can. The other thing is, from this week, from this episode, episode 88, we are going back to the original way we started Thrive Deeper over a year ago. We're going back to fortnightly releases. That, That means the next episode of Thrive Deeper is coming out in two weeks. Episode 89 will be with you in two weeks' time. So be expectant of that. Every two weeks, a new episode of Thrive Deeper from now on. But we're not leaving you in the lurch. On that other week, on that other week's episode, will be the brand new podcast called Thrive Perspectives. Thrive Perspectives. That's a new, brand new feed. That's a brand new RSS to describe to. It's a brand new podcast to get in your podcast app. You can find it all at thrivetoday.net.au. That's thrivetoday.net.au. The same old website you've gone to. The next thing I wanted to let you know is that the website will be changing a little bit over the next few weeks. So expect a bit of a refresh there. Make sure you head over there and check it out. But the last thing I want to let you know is that this is the last week we've got this special offer for you. Everything we do is around the Thrive Daily Reading Guide. And I know that quite a few of you listen to the podcast and enjoy it, but you don't use the Thrive Daily Reading Guide. Now, let me encourage you. This is your chance to get 12 months worth of the Thrive Daily Reading Guide for $10 off. Okay, so you can either get the Thrive Daily Reading Guide in a fantastic little physical book, an actual little booklet that you can carry with you and read. It's a great way to do it. That's how I do it. You can get that for $10 off, and that means for $22, the mailed edition will come to you for only $22 for the year. That's four copies of the book coming to you every year. Or if you want the ebook edition, if you want a PDF or something you can read on your Kindle, it's only $10 for the ebook edition for the year. Now you've got until this Friday, Valentine's Day, to get that going. You need to head over to thrivetoday.net.au, follow the link for subscriptions, and you use the coupon code THRIVETODAY to get $10 off. Okay, Thrive Today is the coupon code. Use it. Get it in there and you're going to get a great discount for the copy of the Thrive Daily Reading Guide. All right. Is that everything? Did we get everything off the checklist? I think so. I'll be back at the end of the podcast to fill you in on a couple more things. But let's get back into the book of Exodus with Matt now on Thrive Deeper.
Welcome back to Thrive Deeper. We are in the book of Exodus. DJ here with Matthew. And as we open up Exodus chapter 1, on the next uh, half of this uh, you know, podcast, we want to get through chapters 1 to 4, that first block of the book of Exodus. Basically, we're, we're, we're introduced straight away following in from the book of Genesis. We are told that, you know, in time, as verse 6 of chapter 1, Joseph and all of his brothers died, ending that entire generation. Mm. But their descendants, the <clears throat> Israelites, had many children mm. and grandchildren. In fact, this is hearkening back to Genesis chapter 1, they multiplied so greatly that they became extremely powerful and filled the land. And of course, so right at the start of Exodus then, yeah. we have fulfillment. Yes, Fulfillment of because God had said to Abraham, mm-hmm. "I will make your descendants like the stars in the, uh, on the in, in the sky." Yep. I was going to say the stars on the seashore because <laughs> <laughs> it's the sand on the Maybe seashore. The and the stars in the Maybe sky. the starfish. So, so the way that that's put is um, uh, is deliberately yes. designed to point out that this is cov- that God is blessing His people. Yeah. But uh, as they are blessed and as they become more powerful, this uh, um, causes issues. Where they are, you know, the, this country ain't big enough for the two of us. Yes. Um, and so basically, because the, they're foreigners, and, yeah. and actually, remember the way that Joseph set it up is that they they remain separate. They were living in the land of Goshen. Yes. And uh, and I think that was a very shrewd move, actually, by Joseph at the time yeah. to give them that separate land. But it did mean that they they remained a separate people group. Now, separation is important, and it'll it, get it, even yeah. more important, uh, yeah. and it's going to become even more important. So. Um, uh, the Egyptians didn't separate them because they were shepherd class, remember, and, and uh, yep. so they remained separate. But that's kind of good because they, are, in a sense, are able to continue to cultivate that separate identity. But when it comes to this, it means that this still identifiably, identifiably separate people group are be- becoming really numerous. They're still seen as foreigners yep. even after this time. We d- we're not told, by the way, how many generations transpire. Yeah. Uh, here we're only told it's four hundred years later. Yeah, there's 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 some complexity uh, around uh, the numbers, uh, and maybe we'll get into that because, okay. look, I'll, I'll just say this much: when, when it comes to the way that Scripture uses numbers, um, uh, often they're not being kind of uh, literal mathematical, and because they think. A generation is forty, so they they're thinking more in generations. Okay. So a number of generations, and they just forty okay. years yep. meant a generation. Yes. So it was more an indication of generations, or, okay. or a certain number of generations, yep. than it was exactly of years. Okay. Anyway, that's the complexity there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, e- even the fact that uh, the descendants of Jacob were seventy in all. Uh, I mean, look, there could have been just seventy, but the number seventy is yes. significant. Is, it's a there's a sense of completion yep. to that. Okay, so we've got so we've got so we had the perfectly big family, you know. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that that's Jacob's family. Well, um, however many years it is in the future, I mean, you, yeah. You know. So there's a generations here. They they become really numerous. They're, they're still an identifiable, identifiably separate people group. Yeah. Well, that's a problem, isn't it? Yeah, because they're going to take over. Exactly, and the and the and the great relationship that Joseph had to the, to the original Pharaoh that we met. Long it's forgotten, long, yeah, it's long, long forgotten. forgotten. There's a new pharaoh on the stage, and his political advisors are saying, "Listen, 
if we go to war with another country and the Israelites team up with them, yeah. we're Dunskis. Yeah. We need to get on top of this. Let's assign brutal slave drivers and become mm. and make the entire class of Israelites. I mean, they're already lower than us, yeah. us because they're shepherds. So they're fair game in that sense, yeah. So let's make them our very slaves to do the building and everything that we want to do. So, uh, you know, they we, we get introduced, introduced immediately that there's this, you know, this slavery happening for yeah. Israelites and in, they're in a very country. unique kind of slavery because they're not uh, like war captives household slaves yes because they're still the whole time they're still living separately yeah uh, they have their own yeah. ghetto that that's they, right because they're, they're normally slaves yes. when you think of slaves in Egypt it was like Joseph as a slave in Pot- Potiphar's yes. house yes that's a slightly different kind of slavery to this this is a a, a very large scale organised um uh, enslavement where they become the workforce. It's almost like to give it to, I mean, it's completely different, sorry, but it, but almost to give it a bit of a modern, um, you know, in the last hundred years spin, uh, if you think of the Japanese in, internment camps, you know, in yeah. the USA, where they took an entire race of people during yeah. the war yeah. and said, we're going to, you can live totally fine yeah, yeah. over here, you're going to work for the government. Yeah. We're going to control every aspect of your life, and you're only allowed in this area. Yeah, and you can't go out of that. You can still have your own house and your own yeah, everything yeah, like that. Yeah. but you basically are the slaves of the U.S. government for that. I mean, it's a completely different. I mean, they weren't being whipped and everything like yeah, they yeah. were here, but it's it's that t- same type of thing. It's you are similar thing. Yeah, yeah we like, are controlling yeah. the. You are a class over yeah. there. We know that their lives were miserable. Um, they were being treated ruthlessly, and then we get introduced to the fact that the uh, the pharaoh. And again, this prefiguration that mm, you you, mm. you said here, this is something that we're going to see again in, in Scripture, telling the Hebrew midwives, you know, telling yeah. the midwives, if these women, if they have a boy child, we yeah. want them killed. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we we get this great story with the, yeah. with, with the midwife saying, look, these Hebrew women, they're way too healthy and fit for yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. They give birth and off they go. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> So, so that, that that's the you know that's the tactic. Uh, well, the first tactic is we're going to enslave them. Yeah. But then they they're still becoming so numerous. So they're still that this is a threat because you get a slave revolt and we're just so outnumbered. So we need to cull the population. Uh, we need to stop them growing. Uh, all along, you're thinking this is covenant, covenant blessing. Mm. This is happening. Um, the the midwives uh, fear God. Okay, and they won't do this. Now, this is very risky for them. Yeah. This is interesting because it shows that there is still a fairly vibrant faith in the ancestral, uh, yes. a vibrant ancestral faith. And by ancestral faith, I mean they're still believing in the God of Abraham, Isaac, yes. and Jacob. Yes. Um, you know, I think by this stage, um, they're going to need some help in identifying that God and Moses is going to, because uh, they're that. a long time since uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob now. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there's still this faith here, and yeah. they act on that. They're not going to wipe out the kids. Um, uh, so Pharaoh says, okay, yeah, if that's happening, calls- open slather, grab the boy <laughs> yeah. children, chuck them in the Nile. That's right. Go for it. You're yeah. allowed to kill the, the, the male children yeah. here. Now, you know, I mean, it's interesting, you know, that we get – it's interesting to compare that to the account of Herod and yes. the children of Bethlehem and – you got this Moses Jesus kind yep. of thing. I yep. mean, this happens uh, anyway. Um, so then, uh, 
you know, the, we, the famous story of Moses being put in the basket and put in, in the Nile. Now, Be- before you get the, before you get there, I got a question. I got a question. This is yep. this is what struck me reading <clears throat> reading chapter one. We we see, as you said right at the beginning, the fulfillment of God's promise, the covenant relationship between God yep. and the descendants of Abraham, fulfilled in Egypt. You know, and yep. and and Joseph had set it up, and everything is great. Jacob had blessed them. Years later, generations later, they are fulfilling what God is. God's mm. promises have come true. Yeah. But God didn't promise, and I think this is the application that I'm learning in my life. God will answer the promises, but he doesn't say, I'm going to save you from trial and tribulation. Like God is being faithful, and yet they are, they are sold into slavery, yeah. yet they are. Well, this is exactly what the story of Joseph prefigures. Yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, the story of Joseph is... This is what they're meant to be taking note of. Mm. So we went to Egypt. We became slaves in Egypt. Well, this happened to Joseph, and God came through for him in the end, and he's going to come through for us. Yeah. So this, that actually is really the role of Joseph to prefigure the experience of Israel, wow. that God is going to fulfill his covenant for them, and he's going to make them great, as he said uh, they would be. Um, but he's not, not by delivering them from trial, but through that. Yes, they are going to become great. And it's almost like a mirror image of Joseph where Joseph is made great as he gets put into a prominence of, of Egypt. Yeah. You know, they're going to be made great as they're taken That's out, right. out of yeah. Egypt. I mean, they're there. going to come out of Egypt with untold wealth. Yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, th- this, is, um, this has already been prefigured. Now, look, a lot of people, just a, a quick um, point here. You, you you may come across this that, that there are those that say well that there are stories like this from ancient Egypt. I don't know if you've ever heard this uh, come yeah. up. There are stories like this, yeah. not not ju- not just from ancient Egypt, but um, uh, I mean, there's the story of Horus and the story of Sargon, for example. Uh, uh, and and you know, I mean, I'm not going to go into this in, in any depth, but that have similar structure. Yes, you know, child put out to exposure ends up becoming a great figure. Yep. You know, in the case of Sargon, it's even... Uh, um, is it Sargon or Horus? Uh, it actually even put in a basket in, yes. the, in the Nile. Yep. Okay. Ah, well, the people say, oh, well, this is a copy of that. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, first of all, uh, the story, the other stories are completely, actually completely different to this. Mm. Um, now, if you are living in the area of the Nile and you're going to hide a baby, like you don't have many options, for goodness sake. <laughs> Hiding it in the reeds yeah, yeah. is really the best way to hide. You know, it's like um, if you if they were living in an area with lots of caves and they hid in a cave. Oh, yeah, hid it in a cave, and then you get a story li- later that it's someone, someone was in being a cave. hid in a cave. Yeah. Oh, it's a copy. Yes, no, it's just that the caves they, they live in an area with caves. That's the obvious uh, place to hide. So. Um, so the whole they copied this story thing really, I think, just does not uh, does not carry water. I mean, there's an uh, argument to be made for this story being earlier. Yes. Uh, I mean, the case of Sargon, it's it's the story is set earlier, but we don't we no, have the, it's the, written the later. accounts that we yep. have of it are much much later. Yeah. Uh, so um, yeah, it's just another it's just another attempt. Of people to find an origin for these stories other than in God. Yep. And and it's one of those things where if you if you come with the assumption that that God isn't at work here, then you you kind of have to find a naturalistic explanation for exactly. how these thing how these stories come about, and that's what you're going to find. But 
you know, if if you do believe that God is involved in history and in these things, then you know, yeah. of course, she would hide the child in the reeds or whatever, and exactly. it would take that shape. Maybe she even got the if if she knew the story. Maybe she even got the idea uh, from that story if exactly. it was so well known. You know, so anyway. So, okay, so let's let's fast forward. Is get through chapter two here because we want to get into the last yes, couple of do. chapters. Um, we know that Moses is the son of Levites. They are, you know, they will not kill the child. Obviously, they don't want the child to be killed. They hide it through the reeves. They send an older sister, uh, the Pharaoh's daughter, takes yep. the child, adopts the child, mm. even though he is obviously, via circumcision, knows that this is, uh, you know, a Hebrew child. Most probably, mm. we say, um, he is, you know, kept and called Moses. Named up, named by the Pharaoh's daughter, yeah. and because I lift him out of the water, we then fast forward many years. Yeah. We don't know exactly how long. Many years when Moses had grown up, he went to visit his own people. Yeah. You know, so he knew where yeah. he came from, yeah. even though he had a place of prom- yeah. prominence. But that, and that's true. Most, um, you know, most scholars agree that. I mean, it's generally agreed that Moses knew that he yes. was a Hebrew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Moses, knowing that he's a, he was a Hebrew, knowing that he was a Jew, went out to see his people, and at some, and then at the, the 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 story that we get in 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 Exodus two is that something for whatever reason this day something snapped in Moses, and he had enough. He couldn't handle mm. it anymore, and he ended up. Accidentally, I think, killing an Egyptian who was beating, you know, beating a slave, um, and then, uh, for whatever reason, the Jewish people that he thought he was defending in his own power turned on him. Yeah, that's and, right. And said, "What are you going to do? Kill us like you killed the Egyptian?" Yeah. And he ran away. Yeah, he's really jumping the gun here. Yeah. I mean, it's quite it's quite likely that he, you know, he 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 wants to do something for this people, people. that he identifies with. Maybe he even has this sense, you know, how you have this sense of calling, this yeah. sense that, you know, yeah. God has called me to something and, and and it just sits, you know, it sits there in your heart, you know, and, and maybe he's thinking, he's jumping at this. Yeah. This is this is what I need to do. Yeah. And you just sense God in the background here is shaking his head saying, <laughs> you silly boy, you jumped the gun by 40 years. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... You, out, so, so he ends up, and and we, we're going to scoot through this because the story is well known. Yes. So, uh, told he, in multiple movies yeah. as now, well. It's interesting that Pharaoh, actually, that the Pharaoh uh, sets out uh, to sets out after him. You mm. know, like that he that his life is in danger now that he's mm. done this. Now you think, surely wouldn't a prince of Egypt have the right to kill yeah. uh, someone? But this may be an indication that Pharaoh was a little troubled by his Hebrew yes, background, background. Yep. and also that this act then signified, maybe there was, okay, which side is this guy going to come out on? Yep. This act showed that exactly which side he was going to come out on, yep. So, which mean, meant that he was really a traitor to mm. Pharaoh's household. Mm. And so he has to go way out into the desert now from Egypt. Uh, he goes to the land of Midian. Now, this is an interesting one. Yep. Uh, he, this, these, are, these guys are relatives, Oh, really? They're the Midianites are relatives. Um, Moses' second wife, uh, the, one of the sons, was Midian. Yep. Uh, sorry, uh, uh, sorry. Um, Go back. Jacob's. Um, no, sorry. Abraham's. <laughs> I got all these names in my yeah, yeah, yeah. right runner. Abraham. Yes. This goes back to Abraham. Yeah, okay. So Sarah died. Abraham uh, marries again. 
Oh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, yes. Uh, and uh, she has um, uh, Keturah, her name is. Yeah. Uh, and she, one of her sons is Midian. Midian, that's right. Okay. Yes. So, so these so these are almost like half-brother yeah. relatives so of he, Abraham. Yeah, and so in Genesis 25, we read that Abraham sent his sons by Keturah, including Midian, sends them away from his sons, Isaac, to the east country. Yeah. Okay. So they would have gone from, I mean, they're in, uh, living in the area of um, uh, sort of southern kind of Israel now, yep. Beersheba, yep. in that area. So east would have gone into the desert. You cross, you go probably southeast. Now, the Midianites uh, were most probably had become a conglomerate of tribes. Yes. And geographical areas, there were no borders, right? So it's very yeah. fluid. Yeah. So if you go straight down, if you can picture a map or you can look up a map, go straight south from the Dead Sea and east, yeah. probably into the northern uh, uh, Arabian Peninsula. Yes. Possibly crossing over a little into the Sinai Peninsula. That's where Midian uh, was. That's a hike from Egypt. That's a hike from Egypt. Yeah, yeah he goes a long way. And so, um, and, and I think he probably, um, maybe there was some awareness, I'm not sure, but either that or perhaps providentially, he ends up. I mean, Pharaoh has a long reach. Yeah. They're the, they're the biggest so keeping on yeah. going is probably a good idea. Yeah. And he keeps going until he comes upon these relatives. Now, these relatives, because they're, they're from Abraham, right? So yeah. they are, uh, you know, they're going to have these, the same faith as Abraham. Yeah. Um, and there's some indications that indeed they do because the priest of Midian, uh, th- th- there's some indication here that they are actually recognizing the God yeah. of Abraham. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so, so this is incredibly providential. Oh. It's like he's actually reconnected with a section of the family of Abraham, yeah. the Midianites, who uh, who th- then become sort of involved in this. Yeah, and they can they could be fleshing out what the what the ancient covenant between their ancestors were, and you know, going from there, we see uh, Moses settling down there and is given a wife by, you know, the, the people that he said it sounds with. He marries uh, Zipporah yeah. and they have uh, two sons. Yeah. Uh, she gave birth to a son. Um, I think they end up having two sons. Uh, years pass and... Um, That's right. Yeah, they have two sons, yeah. They have two sons. The king of Egypt died. But the Israelites continued to groan under the burden of slavery. They cried out for help and their cry rose up to God. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, yeah. to Jacob. Ding. I mean, this is, you know, this is where it all ties in because this is the climactic uh, moment. God remembers his covenant. Yeah. Uh, this is what all of this is about. God said and it was. Yeah. You know, so um, so God's going to do something about this, and He's going to use Moses, of course, to do this. So this is where we get we move into chapter three. Mm. Uh, he is uh, tending the flocks of Jethro. Jethro, by the way, is known by uh, a few diff- is referred to in a few different ways. Yep. Ruel, yeah. uh, he's referred to at first, and then he becomes Jethro. Jethro. <laughs> it's been suggested that Jethro is like an honorific kind of title, oh, okay. like um, Your Honor, or because he was the head, yes. he's the head of the clan, and he's the he's a priest. Yep. Uh, we're not exactly sure what this priesthood uh, consists in, but later on uh, we see that he comes and he instructs Moses and Aaron in offering a sacrifice. Yeah. 
and he also instruct he, he comes again. <laughs> we have we we're going to be introduced to Ruel slash Jethro a few times. Yeah. As in an advisory role to Moses. Yeah, he's almost like a Melchizedek kind yeah, of figure, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. In that he's a priest of and of God, yeah. of the God of Abraham. Yes. And and he's he's you know, he's been offering sacrifice, so that's already been a part of it. Uh he's he you know, and, and he's involved in the story at this point. So this is really interesting. Mm. So he's um he's minding these flocks, he sees this uh fire. Now now uh, the bush that burns here, um Fire throughout Scripture becomes a symbol of the presence of God. Yes. Um, remember, Abraham saw the vision of yep. God as a smoking fire pot. Going through the... Yeah, yep. going through. So Abraham had seen Abraham's vision of God. Yes. So this kind of connects with that, okay? Definitely. Now, now it's going to connect again with the pillar of fire over the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. going to connect again in Acts chapter 2 with the flames of fire on the heads of mm-hmm. each one uh, of the disciples on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be a consistent... Um, theme throughout scripture so he sees uh, the flames he goes to the bush and god speaks to him from uh, from out of the bush um uh now we know that we know the story pretty well god says the cry of the israelites has reached me yep um you, you i'm sending you uh, to Pharaoh to bring my people up out of egypt like no less than that yeah can you imagine that massive he's a shepherd in the and, desert. And has been out of Israel. When it says many years passed, we find out that it's 40 years later. Yeah, that's he, right. He's been, he's been in the wilderness yeah. living a peaceful life, forgetting <laughs> all about Egypt, put all that behind him, raising his sons, enjoying the Midianites. He's, he's sort of like now now 40 years, yeah. 40 I mean, years. If you're listening to this and, and, and have an issue with, you know, I feel like God has promised this, but God's not coming through for me. <laughs> hey, Moses spends 40 years in the yeah. desert before yeah. uh, God comes through here. So uh, God never seems to be in a hurry. God's yeah. faithful, but he works in his time, not ours. Yeah. So um, uh, Moses uh, says then, uh, you know, who am I naturally yeah. uh, that I should go? Um, and we, and, and we God's get, answer is to the effect of it doesn't matter who you are, it matters yeah. who I am and I'm going to be with you. Yeah, yeah. And we get this is the introduction of, of, of a great humility with Moses. You know, like he, he it, yeah. it's a humility but almost a... Almost well, it's, a, it's a bit too self-deprecating actually. <laughs> uh, it's, and this is an interesting thing because, you know, the classic definition of humility is humility is not thinking less of yourself but yeah. thinking of yourself less. Yeah. Uh, okay, so but, but again, again, we're gonna we're gonna get there later on. Moses writes about himself. I mean, maybe one of the editors might have put it in. There never was such a humble man <laughs> as Moses. And uh, well, no, look, uh, there's there's a lot in this book that talks, even you know, that Moses to this day yes, this has exactly. been here, and so I think there's editorial uh, work going on. There. Yeah, yeah, it's Come a little. It's, it's, be it's, fair to Moses. <laughs> Anyway, so so Moses says, I'm going to move this along because we've got a lot to cover here. Um, uh, You know, I'm going to go to them and they're going to ask, well, which which God is this? Yeah. Now, that's natural in a polytheistic kind of setting uh, in Egypt. What are you introducing some other God to us? What's going on here? Mm -hmm. Uh, And and God answers, God said to Moses, I am who I am. In other words... uh, this is like the all-embracing one God. Uh, this is a statement of uh, of God's absolute transcendence. Now we could do an entire. Oh yeah, we could. Yeah. We could do an entire podcast a series of podcast episodes 
just about that name. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and and the significance of it there. This I am. This I am who I am. I it also or I carried, will be as yeah. Yeah, I will, I will be, be who I will be. Yeah, and it's such a you know. There's so much beauty within that name and mystery and confounding confusion as well. It is amazing. Um, and then we get the introduction of of the of the word of the name. We don't know exactly how it's pronounced. Because they Jewish people wouldn't spell it with the vowels, but Yahweh yeah. is 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 one of the one of the titles that God gives Himself for Moses to relay to yeah, the, that's to right. the Jews. Yeah, that's right, and that's a derivative of the word to be yeah. of, of I am. Yeah. In in fact, it it it's probably the causative form of that. So I cause to be wow. the one who causes to be. Okay, that's probably what now you know the, it's what's known as the tetragrammaton because it's. It's just the five letters, yeah. uh, uh, without the vowels. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, um, uh, it's Y H W H four four letters. Uh, now, most probable way of pronouncing that. I mean, it's, I think Yahweh is probably the best. Yeah. But we actually, the point was that it was never vowed yeah. when vowels were added to the Hebrew text because they didn't actually want to say the name and yeah. break the commandment. Um, so this name is given. The point is, uh, yeah, this is a very personal, you know, the giving of the name is a very personal connection now. I'm giving you my personal name. This is not just a title. This is one of the things that I think is unfortunate about the the where English translations put in the Lord. Now that comes from the by the time of the sort of um 300 you know 3rd century BC, 3rd yes. century BC, you know Jews had these scruples around using the divine name. Yeah. Uh it's why um you know Matthew, in Matthew's gospel he even still talks about the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Whereas Mark is happily talking about the kingdom of God. Mm. Um and even in the Maccabean literature, they talk about help coming from heaven. They don't even want to say the word God, God yeah, yeah. by that stage. So <clears throat> so when they translated, when they took the Hebrew scriptures and translated them into Greek, mm. they used the word Adonai, mm. uh, the Lord. And, and so that, has been ca- that tradition has been carried through into English translations where instead of using Yahweh yeah. or Jehovah yeah. as is, is a, another alternative, um, uh, another alternate form of that well um they just put the lord yeah i've got i've got i'm not a fan of it i i I, look you know it's also also uses the lord as in lord as in king kind of you know that's a legitimate way to refer to god because he is and it's jesus is lord yeah uh so the actual greek word adonai is used there but uh i think it's a pity because there's such significance in the fact that we're actually given the divine name yeah yeah, and it's oh, man again. You're, you're you're sparking all these things in my mind. I want to talk about. I've got I've got some Messianic Jewish friends who Jewish people who've become Christians. Yeah, and when I communicate with them via you know Facebook or whatever, they won't write out God's name. They will they will do God G apostrophe or yeah. a asterisk yeah. D because yeah. they again they're in that tradition where yeah. it's it's too holy to even put even though we're talking about the Lord God we don't want to write the word you know they've still carried that tradition yeah. to today yeah and I, and I, when we get to the Ten Commandments I'll point out that I think that that's not the way that that commandment was in, intended to be interpreted. Yeah. But uh, anyway, we'll get to that. We're, we're fast running out of time. I don't think we're going to cover all of Chapter 4 here, but at least 
uh, I w- Matt, I want you to cover one last thing here. As we read chapters three and four, yeah. Where I've got one question for you to finish off the episode. Where does Moses get off on being so brazenly, yeah. you know, conf- I don't know if confidence is the right word, yeah. but he he exasperates God, their relationship right at the beginning. And it made me laugh this yeah. time because, and it actually, and I'm going to be really, really honest, you know, honest here. I'm... I don't have many friends who I consider really, really close yeah, yeah. friends because I'm an exasperating person <laughs> for a lot of people. And the people who are closest to me see that exasperating question or curiosity that I have or the the the, the boldness or the way that I talk and you either love it yeah. and you're immediately my friend yeah. or you go... That's, that's me. You know, <laughs> or you go, no, that's way too hard. I want someone who's just happy to talk about small talk. I read this again, and it was almost like the Lord God enjoyed the exasperation, you know, of, of Moses a little bit. Like, Moses is so brash and forthright with God mm. in these two chapters. It took my breath away well, this time. This is going to be something that actually uh, is seen positively. Yeah, uh, Moses' boldness actually is going to become a kind of almost a model uh, uh, of faith. Yeah. Because this is not a God who's just out there somewhere. This is a God who's made bold, talk about boldness, pretty bold promises. Mm. Uh, well, boldness, you, it's not an adjective that you describe to God. But no. the promises are, uh, uh, I can't even think of, of the right word. I mean, they are uh, incredibly um, great promises. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, that God would bind himself so... Uh, irrevocably to this group of people, and and I think you know Moses is, holds on to that, uh, um, but at this stage he's still struggling with the fact that he's I, that he's been chosen. I love the fact that um, that actually in uh, chapter four, verse thirteen, uh, he simply says, "Lord, please send someone else." Straight That's up, like, <laughs> straight up, send someone else, and actually, God gets really angry with yes, him. You know, that's what I'm talking about. It was that point there yeah. where I was like, "He has gone." Or he's like testing God's patience. Yeah, he's already saying, "Now, what about this? Now, what about that?" And he's throwing all these things up there, and finally, it says in 13, and then the Lord became angry, angry with Moses, and I love this. God relented. Yeah. God relented. He said, "All right," God yeah, said, yeah. "All right, take Aaron." Yeah, and this is and this happened, and well, again, you know, it's an amazing feature of this relationship. And amazing, amazing. And we see actually God responding to Moses in a number of places, and it's in that sense that Moses actually models the kind of childlike relationship yeah. with God that I, is that is exemplifies faith. That's an amazing I, thing about this. I, 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 it's blown me away just in these first couple of chapters yeah. here. Now, now do we go. have do we have time to cover a couple more little things? In- no, I, I, no, I want you to I want you to wrap up with a beautiful Matthew Jacoby point. <laughs> we're already running late into this episode. All right, I know, so we're not going to cover the. Uh, we'll cover it next week. I okay, promise we'll you, we'll cover it next, it next week. week. We'll cover the end of chapter four next week uh, because we're going to try to keep these new episodes, even though we're doing it fortnightly. We don't want to go longer than an hour. Just over yeah. an hour. That's too too long. You know, for people's I'll attention. just I, I will just finish with this. Uh, this though, um, uh, say something because this is connected. Moses is struggling with this whole idea of who am I, right? Yeah. Now, in the ancient world, uh, everyone uh, the kind of identifying symbol 
was your staff. Mm. A, a staff had a very interesting role. Now, you remember the story of uh, when Jacob slept with... Uh, no, Judah. Um, Judah slept yeah. with... Um, and he left his staff and his yeah, signet ring. That's right, and yeah. he left his staff. Because uh, the staff is like your identity. So they were often marked and, and wow. like, because there, there are people like, you know, um, David rocks up with a staff and it's, uh, when, when he goes to face Goliath, takes his staff and his sling, right? Because yeah. his staff is is his identity. Uh, it w- wasn't just something that you leaned on. It wasn't even just a tool. It was used as a tool and a uh, to do things and a weapon at yep. times. Yep. But it was more that it was, it was a little like your license. Wow. Um, uh, so it was... Everyone had their personalized staff. Now, it's interesting that God says here, go to Egypt, take your staff, because by it you'll perform great miracles. So and this is the, it's like God saying, I'm going to use you. Yeah. And, and see, the staff really, Moses' staff is a very personal thing. Yeah. It, it's, it's a symbol of, of him yeah. and God using him. So the way that Moses uses the staff reflects the way that God is using Moses. Do you I see what I'm it. saying? I love it. I love it. Because uh, whereas the staff is like his identity reflector, yeah. Moses himself is the is the reflector of God's glory. Yeah. You know, so we see do this. We, do we get that in the Psalms? Anyway? I'm having an echo in my head of God saying somewhere, I've, I've used you like a staff. No, I've held you like a... Something is that just me making that no, up? No, there might be. There yeah, might be. And, I'm, I'm and I should know it. the answer to that. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, I'll go looking for yeah. it later because that picture, yeah. that picture is really. But strong. do a search. Do a search yeah, on, yeah. on on staff, and it's like no, this is way more than a tool. It's way more than a like like the fact that you can give it as a pledge and and it becomes an identity. Yeah, it's not in, just in, a the, stick. In, the, in that story of of Judah. Yeah. Um, with Tamar, that's yes. the one I'm thinking of. Yes. Where Tamar uses it in yeah. the in as she's pretending to be. a a prostitute she yeah. uses as an identity uh, proof. Yeah. So, uh, so this is God is saying, "No, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you." And as Moses uses his staff, so God will use Moses. Yeah. You know, Moses is the tool in God's hand. So it's, it comes back to this thing. It's not about who you are, God says to Moses. It's about who I am, uh, because you got to remember that it's not you doing it. You are the tool in the hand of God, and that's something for us all to remember. Could hear the disappointment in Matt Jacoby's voice when I told him we had to wind up the episode and we hadn't gotten through <laughs> all of chapter four yet. It wasn't just me. You could hear that disappointment. It was palpable. Oh boy. Now listen, uh, thank you so much for listening to this uh, to this uh, new type of episode where we're going to go a little bit longer because we're covering so much more material, this episode 88. Now, I've got all these points I want to get in at the end of the show. Once again, sorry this episode is a couple days late for those who like to listen to it on the Friday. It won't happen again. From now on, Thrive Deeper is a fortnightly podcast. It comes out every two weeks on your Friday morning. The next one will be on February the 21st. The next episode of Thrive Deeper will be on February the 21st. But brand new, ready for this, Thrive Perspectives comes out next week on February the 14th. Valentine's Day, it's our Valentine's Day gift to you. A brand new podcast, Thrive Perspectives. Have a look 
for that. We're going to be putting that all over our social media and how you can subscribe to that. You want to head over to thrivetoday.net.au and use the code THRIVETODAY, the coupon code THRIVETODAY, to get $10 off your subscription of the Thrive Daily Reading Guide. Go do that right now. We also need you to send us your questions. Send us your questions about Exodus and also get involved about sending us your questions about the new Thrive Perspectives podcast. We need your help on that one as well. Lastly, I'll leave you with this one. RateThisPodcast.com forward slash Thrive Deeper. That's ratethispodcast.com forward slash Thrive Deeper. That's the most easy way to support us by rating this podcast five stars. Give us a glowing review and let people know that you love the Thrive Deeper podcast. Woo! Oh boy. Okay, I think I I think I'm coming back down with the flu. I need to go have a lie down again. Thank you so much for all your support, and we'll see you in a fortnight's time. Until then, thrive. Thanks for listening to another episode of Thrive Deeper. Matthew and DJ would love to hear your questions and comments about what you are reading in God's Word and in Thrive. The easiest way to do that is to head over to thrivetoday.net.au. Thrive Deeper is on Facebook. Just search and like Thrive Today page for all our latest news. Until next week, our prayer is that this podcast will inspire you to read God's word and thrive.